Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. That's okay, Dave. I am in spirit. Oh, there I am. Wonderful. Welcome to a special edition of The Real Forno Show. We are at our regularly scheduled time, which our girl Mary knows that we are now at 6 p.m. Raymond, good to see you as well. We are going to be talking about the Vikings. Dave and Darren did such a fantastic job this weekend on Two Old Bloggers with a pregame show. We are going to take a little bit of a different approach. We're going to talk about the game, but we're also going to talk about the Vikings' current state of the offense we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins because I started an article series this week uh, grading Kirk Cousins' checkdowns and whether they were cowardly or smart. We're going to break down all four plays from this past week with video, and you're going to see what Kirk is doing, what he's thinking, and if they were smart or not. Guys, we have a Vikings game day. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge, contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire, Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks, and founder of Substack Run and Shooter, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Forno Show. I am your host Tyler, and with me, as always. Trusty producer Dave, who creates those swell graphics you see on social media. Dave, I know you guys talked a lot about this game this weekend. How are you feeling? <laughs> Our buddy Drewster said he had a good gut feeling about this, and I told him, yeah, they make tums for that. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not so sure. It's going to be a wild, close game. It could go either direction. Do I, don't think- I think the Vikings can win this game? Absolutely. I and We're going to get in tonight. If Kevin O'Connell opens his playbook a little bit more, he may be forced to. I don't think uh, the Eagles are going to copy the, the Packers and leave Justin Jefferson wide open all day long. But mm-hmm. I do believe we can win this. We have the horses. But... They also have the horses. These are two of your better teams in the NFC. This is going to be a game. So it may be close. Hopefully it's not. But I do hope and hope and pray that the Vikings come out. I do not want a traditional Viking start where we go one and one back to 500 and we're tied with the rest of the division. I want to make a statement win. I hope they can do it. And that we go on to two and zero, and are considered one of the top two teams in the NFC. That's how I feel. Yeah, um, this is going to be really tough. One of the interesting things about this game, Dave, and then we're going to kind of jump in because I want to get your opinion on this. Like the Eagles are a very weird team, right? They have all the weapons that you need, but the quarterback position is still in flux. And that's not an indoctrination on Jalen Hurts and how talented he is, because he has all the talent. 
He's one of the rare quarterbacks where you've seen a true steady progression each year from his freshman year of college where Nick Saban didn't really trust him to throw the football and they won a national title. Like that kind of speaks volumes here. He struggled to throw the football at all and they still won consistently. And then his junior season struggled to throw the football against Georgia in the national championship game. They replaced him with Tua. He ends up competing for the job the next year and sticks it out. And then he transfers to Oklahoma, makes the playoff. We all know his backstory, but it's his arm. His arm is relatively accurate, but he does not have the power to be able to drive the football. And he loves, 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 loves to stay on his first read. You can beat Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts can also kick you in the face because he can run the football. He's a smart quarterback. He knows how to escape pressure, and he can do all those little things. Dave, this is going to be a dogfight, and it's going to come down to the trenches. Can the Vikings block the interior of that defensive line? Because it's got three studs. Fletcher Cox, who's who's been compared to Aaron Donald throughout the entirety of his career. But he's, yeah, he's, he's basically like, older. He's like 85% of Aaron Donald. And that's kind of where he's been at. You have Javon Hargrave, who's one of the best one techniques in the league. And Jordan Davis, who is a freakazoid athlete. At six foot six, three hundred forty one pounds, run it ran a four seven eight forty at three forty one, just insane athleticism, hundredth percentile. He was the second best athlete across the board the NFL Combine has seen, other than Calvin Johnson. Like this is a massive, massive outlier type athlete. I've heard they've Bradbury got him up to three hundred and fifty pounds already. He he played around 350, and part of the issue is with him, if you play around 350, the stamina does not keep up. Well, I think that's why they limited him on snaps last week. If I remember correctly, he only had like 10 or 12 snaps. He had 22. 22? Okay. Well, but, I, I mean, when you, considering that the Lions played, I think it was 67, you're playing a third of the snaps. That's not a phenomenal share considering what you bring to the football game. But he's a rookie, and mm-hmm. as we know, rookies sometimes take a little time to develop before they earn their starting position. Hopefully, that's the case with him. At least hopefully tonight. is absolutely hopefully is the key word here, Dave. And this is it's going to be a very interesting game, just for the sole fact that there are elements across the board that could go for the Vikings or against the Vikings because. Both teams, and I wrote about it for the Vikings Wire, they match up and their position groups are pretty close. Quarterback is closer than you might want to think, but it still goes to the Vikings. Running back, it's either do you want Dalvin Cook or do you want a stable of backs that, like, in comparison, like, do you want more or quality? Like, that's kind of what you're looking at. Receiver, Vikings win, but it's not that far off because A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are both very, very good football players. Eagles win tight end, offensive line. Defensive line is close. Edge rushers, it's no question. It's the Vikings. Linebackers, I had it as a tie. Um, cornerbacks, and uh, I gave that to the Eagles. Safety is the Vikings. And then a tie in special teams and coaching. Like These are balanced, relatively equal football teams. And the Eagles beat the Lions 38-35 in week one. 
But the Vikings steamrolled the Packers. And now we know the Packers' history on week one has not been pretty the last few years. This is going to be a dogfight. And it's going to really come down, as we talked about. Garrett Bradbury and Ed Ingram need to figure out how to block in the trenches. They need to uh, have true pass that blocking grades much higher than what they did at at 2.6 and 12.2. They need to figure it out. And if they don't figure it out, the Vikings could be in for a long night and Kirk Cousins could find his butt on the ground. We'll see, though. It's going to be at least they be interesting. I worry about Bradbury. I think I have faith that Ingram is going to take a step. I was not super concerned with week one. I will be concerned if it's if it duplicates itself today. Because then it'll tell me that he really didn't learn a whole lot or he learned, but he couldn't apply it to fix those issues from week one to week two. Because that to me, that's the big thing with rookies. You have to be able to grow. I want to see a little bit of improvement. I, I don't right, need to but, see him have have an 80 pass blocking grade. I want to see a step. Show me that you are improving from week one to week two, and I will be happy. Take a downgrade, I'm going to start to have real concerns. Now, but there's a difference between how the Packers rush and how the Eagles rush. The Packers Fair. were used to stunts and more elusive, more pe- winning by moves. The Eagles are more pure power rush. They like to bull through you and uh, get to the quarterback that way. They're using strength. Uh, Obviously, with their new nose tackle that we talked about just a minute ago, that's where I worry about Bradbury, that he's going to get forklifted back. That's where those guys, their technique has to be sound. Ingram has, like I explained this weekend, once he latches onto you, you're not going anywhere. Bradbury, that's the other, a different case. He Bradbury can grab, but the the nose tackle can lift him up and just take him back. Now, we'll get into it once we talk about Kirk Cousins and his checkdowns, because oh, there's a good play that demonstrates, it's the fourth one we get into, how the Vikings have gone to try to work some of that deficiency and counter it. And you'll we'll see more of that tonight. Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, plenty of that. And Dave, enough talk about the Eagles. We've done plenty of that, and we're going to finish the show with it. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins being a coward. And I want to, I want to, I want to talk about this in depth because there is a narrative out there, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it's the truest thing in the world or the biggest lie the devil ever told. Kirk Cousins has a knack for being a checkdown guy, and I wanted to explore it. You can look at all the advanced stats. You can look at all the numbers that say, oh, he throws down the field. Oh, he's incredibly accurate down the field. Well, what about all those times where he dumps off to C.J. Ham when there's an open guy down the field? That's what this series is going to talk about. That's what is going to be consistent anytime he checks it down. Not a design screen. Not a flat route. A check down. We're going to talk about why. And we're going to explore the exact reason why he's making each throw. And we're going to and I'm going to decipher was it a smart move or is he a coward? These things all add up. There are reasons behind everything. And this past week he only had 4. So we're going to break them down and Dave, being the fantastic producer that he is, already has the videos ready to roll. He's going to transition the screens here and we're going to talk about it. 
Um, if you want to follow along, you can uh, take a look at my article series, which I will throw in the comments section because I know you guys are all are passionate in there. And this is going to be a really fun series just because it is so different. Um, I want to really look at the why behind things because you can debate, oh, should he or shouldn't he of? You can look at the stats. Stats are great, guys. But at the end of the day, L22 is going to tell us whether it was a good or a bad call. And that, in my opinion, is the most important thing. And I want you guys to be able to make the decision where um, where you lie. Um, Raymond, Luke and I have actually had a lot of talks about this. We've, we have talked about these plays. Um, check the comments right now. There is the article. You can kind of see my written breakdowns. We talked about some of these plays and why we agree or disagree. So um, I've listened to Luke. He's one of the smartest football minds you will ever speak with. He's incredibly passionate about the Vikings. Um, I know yeah, you said you listened to his lockdown show, Raymond. Please go listen to Lockdown Vikings. Cannot recommend it enough. Now, let's let's break down this play. Dave, let's hit play. And then pause when it gets to the formation. All right. So what you're going to see here is on the front side. So what we're going to call the front side and the back side Front side's going to be closest to us, okay? On the front side, you got Thielen and Jefferson, with Jefferson on the bottom. Thielen is going to run a deep corner, so he's going to go to where that safety is and then break towards the pylon. Jefferson's going to run an out route. On this play, Dave, go ahead and roll. You can see, hit pause. Right now, you've got Kirk in the pocket. You have uh, Jefferson on the out. You have Thielen about to break to the corner. He's got a trailing safety, and then he's got one with about eight yards of depth who can easily flip his hips and, and drive right to the corner. So the cornerback himself is not in – sorry, Thielen himself is not in a great position to catch the football. It is not an easy throw for Cousins. Could he make it? Sure. He could absolutely make it. I don't think it's a smart move. He now, threw to the sideline. He, sh- he, sh- he kept should it in have front of him. Yep. Um, Jefferson – Breaks open pretty crisp and clean. He this throw is there. He's double, this though. is a throw. He, yeah, Thielen. It, Thielen's a no. You don't. You shouldn't make that throw to the corner. Now, Jefferson. He should have seen how the coverage was stacking up, and he should have been uh, thrown to Jefferson on the out route. That should have been the read. He did not make the read, Dave. What he did was he ended up in. Go ahead and finish the play. He ended up um, scrambling a little bit, getting a little pressure, and then getting Johnny Munt down in the flat. Now, I I just I graded this as a six out of ten. I thought there was a smarter play, and Jefferson on the out route was the smart move here. I didn't think that you should have tried to drive the ball down the field, but they had the out. This is it was the same easy play to see. in zone field. Yep. He should have delivered it right there. He's got a decent pocket. Mm-hmm. And that was, let me bring that back. We can hold it here. Yep. You can see the pocket. See. He's got a good pocket right there. There's nothing breaking down. Yep. He should have seen that the, the deep corner was covered because at once Thielen gets about 10 yards into his out, you can see that that deep safety is just going to cut right to the corner and it's it's not going to be there. 
So Jefferson should have been the read there. Unfortunate that he didn't make it, but he still didn't make a bad decision by getting the ball to Johnny Munt and getting a five-yard gain. Thanks for joining the show, Cameron. We know you love your Saints. Mm-hmm. All right. The big thing here is missed opportunities. And when we talk about those C.J. Ham dump-offs, something that I talk about a lot, it's plays like this that are inherently frustrating for me as an analyst and a fan, all right? So this concept is going gonna, is gonna to be called rail, all right? So you're gonna, you have Jefferson at the top of the screen. Go ahead and hit pause. So Jefferson at the top. There's a hole in, in the zone right here. Jefferson's going to come out, and he's going to settle down. Phelan's on a jet, jet motion, so he's running across um, at the line of scrimmage. And then once he snaps, he's going to break it off. And now he's about to run a wheel route, which is kind of a – it's a go route, except he's going to start by coming to the sidelines a little bit, almost like uh, when you drop a wheel down on the ground, how it'll go. Now, right here, Kirk Cousins is in the pocket. He's got a very clean pocket. This is one of the best pass protection um, plays the Vikings made all day. He does not take feeling, which you can see has about a yard of separation right now. He instead checks it down to K.J. Osborne on the shallow cross, which in theory is supposed to be a clear out, and then he can get a few yards after the catch. All right? So go ahead and finish it, Dave. This one I thought was incredibly cowardly. I thought that Thielen route was open, and he should have made the throw. Um, we'll we'll kind of let it play out in real time. See, he's looking, he's looking. And he's got he a beautiful make, pocket. He's got he all won't day make the throw. make a sandwich. Yep, he's not making the throw. He makes a shallow one, all right? Now let's watch it again in fast motion. So watch, watch the back end. This safety at the top, okay? He's reading this safety. He's seeing this safety as somebody who's going to keep going back, and he's got his hips flipped for outside leverage, all right? Because he has his hips flipped, the Cousins is thinking that he's going to shoot up to the top. Well, if he holds on to that read for an extra half second, he's going to see that the safety is crashing towards Justin Jefferson. Because the safety is crashing towards Justin Jefferson, he should have been able to read that, and hey, you can hit Thielen in stride. Kirk is one of the better accurate deep ball throwers in the league. Hey Dennis, welcome to that, the show. That should be uh, that should be an easy throw. Um, yes, Dennis Cameron, David mentioned earlier. We appreciate you guys joining. Thank you very much. This is a this is a big one. These are the kind of shots that I have been asking Kirk Cousins to take because they're there. They're calculated risks, Dave. They're smart plays. If he holds on to that read for just a a smidge longer because he knows that he has the protection. The Vikings missed out on a potential big play. And to me, that's the difference between Cousins being where he is and taking a step forward because he can make these throws. There is nothing telling him that he cannot make these throws. He has the talent. He has the accuracy. He has a good enough arm as far as arm strength in order to drive the ball down the field like that. He needs to be willing to take those shots. And I think based on what we've seen today, you're going to see him want to make those shots. Now, this next play, go ahead and hit pause, Dave. So you got shotgun. You've got two on the front side with one of them being Dalvin Cook. You have the tight end up on the top, and you have two on the back side. This one, 
is one that is I wish they would have had back because I he makes the wrong check down read, which is a different kind of frustration, but nothing's open deep. So at the top, you're going to have um, two deep routes, one one with a hitch, all right? This top one is going to hitch to towards the sidelines, hoping to be able to come open. The, and then you have two vertical routes, one here and one where Dave's circling at the bottom, all right? All of these are covered because there's only 21 seconds left to go in the half, and the Packers know that we're trying to uh, potentially drive and get uh, field goal position, all right? Now, where it's frustrating with Kirk Cousins, he makes the right read here on the back end. On the front end, you've got Irv Smith Jr. at the top and Dalvin Cook on the bottom. He throws the wrong check down. That is the frustrating part. You can see he's looked, he just switched his head or is switching his head over here when Mm -hmm. the perfect check down is up at the top of the field. Yep. And uh, Steven Ruiz of the Ringer makes a joke that uh, Kirk Cousins throws the most covered checkdowns in the league, which it wouldn't shock me. Cousins loves throwing to checkdowns that are covered. I, I, I don't it's, – it's a weird thing with him. But he makes the wrong throw. And if Irv Smith Jr. gets it because of how much time is left, there's a non-zero chance he can take that and get to about the 45 or the 50 and then set the Vikings up to potentially get one more play so then they can kick a field goal. From the end this zone? Is, Dave, this is a relatively good read. He sees that KJ on the skinny post isn't there. He sees Jefferson on the deep corner. Um, on the it's so it's a vertical smash concept. What the smash concept is is you have a hitch route on the far outside where Thielen's running, and then over the top you have Jefferson running a corner. So what you're trying to do is get that cornerback in conflict. Where if he commits to the shallow route, you throw deep. If he commits to the deep route, you throw shallow. The way this coverage is set up. Jefferson's already taken care of, and then the hitch route's covered anyways. So they really don't get a- any kind of um, – what's the word? Um, they don't get that conflict that they were looking for because the corner was always covering that shallow route. Osborne's double covered down the field, but Irv Smith, just to your right, is wide open. <laughs> wide okay. open, and it's an easy hit because this linebacker right here doesn't this quite know what he going wants that to do. way. Yep. And it's wide open. But but I Kurt, will say this, Dave. He's Kurt going feels that way. This. Remember, he's turned his head. Look what he mm-hmm. sees coming. He's but feeling that's the pressure. The, now, Dave, that's why the linebacker ended up going that way because he saw Kirk flip his <clears throat> hips and start transitioning towards Cook. The linebacker could, in theory, get Irv at about the 40 yard line. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is at this point, Kirk should have let the ball go. Um, yes, you've got double coverage quasi up here and double coverage quasi up there. You have Irv Smith wide open. But when he turned to look the opposite direction at Cook, he sees this. Darisaw let his guy, got beat by his guy, and that's when he makes the decision to throw it away. And that's exactly what he did. He wasn't even throwing a check down. He was throwing it away. He threw it out of bounds. Yeah, he should have. He should have been able to make the throw. And the tough part is, I, I had people coming at me all week for this article. They're like, "Oh, you're stupid. He doesn't have a checkdown issue." Well, 
it, there's a reason why narratives exist. Sometimes they're they're made out of made up because somebody just doesn't like a guy. Sometimes they're 100% factual. Most of the time, the truth lies somewhere in between. The whole point of this series is to identify why he's making these checkdowns and to see if they're good or bad. And I want to see also how growth happens throughout the season. Because mm-hmm. that means... Yeah, use this as a baseline. Factor. Yeah. Does he speed up on that last play? Does he see... All right, so he he judges that Osborne and Jefferson are locked up. They got double coverage on him. Does he see Irv Smith wide open? That's the obvious choice. He still had plenty of time to throw it rather than sw- sw- turning around and then suddenly feeling the pressure, even though it was yards off. This is where we set the baseline as to does he improve? Because he had time to throw the ball. He had time mm-hmm. to see the wide open receiver. Does he improve for next time? This next play is my favorite of the four yep. you sent me. And I'll be honest, this is a great, great decision by Kirk Cousins, all right? So you're going to have a shot play here, okay? Now, this is a, a core concept that we have seen uh, throughout um, the Vikings. They've they've used this in some variation, okay? So what's, what you're going to have is Jefferson here on the right side. He's going to run a very deep dig. So he's gonna, instead of like a standard dig where it's like 10, 12 yards, he's going to run 20. And then the idea is on the other side, the front side, Thielen's going to run a hitch to draw the safety um, and corner to prevent – and to open this space back here, okay? Mm-hmm. So watch Jefferson up top and watch how much space Thielen's hitch creates. All right, so Thielen's going to stop, and then the idea is he's going to pull this corner forward and then back here towards the numbers, so about uh, the 40 on the close side right behind Dave's face, that's where you want the ball to go because – then you're going to have uh, Jefferson really be able to get enough space, and then you can eliminate this corner, all right? And the safety up here, up on the north, is looking that direction. He's looking for Adam Thielen yep. to bust that towards uh, the sideline, which is, I think, sort of stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Thielen would have read this to go across, I think it would have been open because Jefferson had cleared out the both safeties, or the corner and the safety over there. Yep. But as we roll this through, we've got it stopped right here, and you already see there's trouble in paradise. We'll see it better on the end zone view. Mm-hmm. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. There's the tap on the butt, the snap, and I'm going to stop it right here. Dave, this is a really good snapshot because not only does uh, is Jefferson not open, Cousins would have a difficult time getting the ball off because mm-hmm. both um, Ellison and Derisaw get beat. Yep. O'Neal's uh, got good protection on the inside um, right here. He's, yep. he's stonewalled right 94 off really, really nice. But I Cousins. Back this up just a little bit more. All mm-hmm. right. You see here, there's Ed Ingram. He's got his guy with Bradbury right there. You've got Dalvin fakes the taking the ball. Dalvin comes down, chips, and you gotta see there's all three, both guards and the center right here. Number yep. ninety-seven is busting free off the side. Off of Ingram's side, and uh, trying to move a stunt, but it, it's okay because Dalvin's got him picked up. Dalvin makes it through the trash. Now they're doing this. You got three on two there. That's what they're doing. You got three on two, and you have Dalvin chipping. That's what they're doing to protect Kirk Cousins. We will see mm-hmm. more of that. Okay, just be aware and look for it. You will see more of that. That's what they're doing to protect Kirk. What they don't want is Derisaw losing his block and Ellison over here, who happens to be a very good blocking tight end, losing his, which caused the um, Kirk Cousins to step up and sense danger. And he does do that. He's a big red warning light, just goes woo, woo, woo. And he tries to make something out of nothing. He's in the grasp right here. He tries to shuffle it to, to Dalvin. And the only person that could catch this is Dalvin. He throws it a little bit too far ahead. It's an incompletion. I don't have a problem with how this went other than how the blocking broke down on this particular play. Yeah, and as much as we're going to talk about the blocking and how it needs to improve, uh, the blocking really is independent from talking about this uh, play from Kirk Cousins because – I gave this a 9 out of 10. I thought he did a great job identifying it. The throw was just not quite there. Um, I would have liked to have actually seen him um, uh, get Osborne down low. But at the end of the day, I really don't have any complaints. He did. He made the right call. And it was good. Like Overall, I th- uh, of the four, um, four genuine checkdowns, 12.2. 12.12%. Not the most ideal number, but it's workable. Three of the four, two of the four were great decisions. One was a, an okay decision because he threw to the wrong check down. And one I thought was poor. And even that's arguable as we talked about when I mentioned Luke Brown's opinion. Cousins needs to continue to grow. And in order to continue to grow, he needs to make those throws that are there that aren't necessarily the safest ones in the world. When you have Thielen with a step, take the shot. You have to trust these guys. Thielen and Jefferson are great receivers. 
you should have the faith in those guys that they'll be able to go make a play. If you don't have the faith that they can go make a play, then we have deeper issues here. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to make the ignore the fact that it's not perfect. O'Connell's going to give you plenty of perfect. He is going to scheme things up where guys are open. He's going to get Justin Jefferson on edge rushers, which is just absolutely absurd to think about. But you can do a lot of different things. Cousins needs to be willing to get that out of his head and make aggressive throws. And that missed opportunity to Thielen was honestly the catalyst of kind of the thinking that Kirk loves to check down. He had the opportunity. He didn't take it. And that's the frustration. Well, we'll see if he grows. I mean, this is this is a new, fresh season. Mike Zimmer mm-hmm. and his hatred for Kirk Cousins is gone. The conservative play is gone. We have Kevin O'Connell, a former quarterback, that can talk to him and hopefully transplant his brain into him and say, hey, I know you like everything, you know, dance steps on the floor, perfect, but sometimes that's not. So here, I want you to do this. And next time when we look, Make your decision a little bit faster. You know, if you see, if you're going through your progressions and somebody is hip to hip, believe in them that they can go beat that guy. By the time the ball gets there, they'll be two or three steps ahead. If you see, if they're double covered and one of the coverage guys turns the other direction, go to where the single coverage is. Believing that Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and especially Justin Jefferson can win those contested catches. Right. And then when it gets to checkdowns, if everything's blocked up and you're looking and you see Irv Smith wide open, take him. Don't worry about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook will get his carries. Right. Hit Irv Smith. Irv Smith needs to get back into the field of the game because he's been out so long. Mm hmm. Yeah. And uh, I talked about it earlier this week from Vikings Wire. Smith Jr. only played 19 snaps, and apparently that was by design. Mm -hmm. Offensive coordinator Wes Phillips spoke on, there is something to easing him back in. He basically hasn't played football for two years. That's a long time. Yeah, it's it's tough for him. And because he got hurt during training camp, he didn't really get a true ramp-up period. So it's, it's a tough one. And the Vikings will be okay. Dave, if they don't get a lot of production from Irv Smith Jr. right away. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, all right, let's talk about that. We remember letting Mike Tomlin leave. Mike Tomlin was 33 years old, getting a head coaching job way before he was necessarily ready. But he After had one year yeah. as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the Vikings had just hired Brad Childress, who was one of the hottest coaching commodities for years, but didn't get a job. Because the Eagles kept going far in the playoffs. Like, you, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know that Mike Tomlin's a much better coach than Brad Childers. Nobody would have told you that in 2006. Like, they're like, oh, Tomlin, give him a few years. He'll be really good. Well, the Steelers knew, well, we change coaches like three times every 70 years. So... If we think he's going to be really good, eh, let's just go with it and we'll we'll figure it out. We'll get some former head coaches on his staff and he will have the ability to learn on the job. Well, it worked out really well. He, they made two Super Bowls, won one, and he hasn't been under 500 for a season in his first 15 years. And he can break that this year 
by starting when he's his first 16 seasons, he will never have a record under 500. Incredibly impressive work from Tomlin, and it's been consistent no matter the scenario. Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. Oh, I'll go eight and eight with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. All right. Like he just figures it out. And I would love to have him as the coach of the Vikings. I would love if history would have been written differently. We didn't have Chili. Yeah, but it's people thought about happened. that about Stefanski too. And Stefanski's luster is now waning thanks to yeah. the people he works for. Yeah, the damn flying J, I'll tell you. It's <laughs> it's their fault. Now, that organization's an absolute disaster zone, and I would not want to be a part of it. All right. Now, Aaron Dave. Being well, back in jail to Philly? What do you mean? Uh, obviously, Chile came from Philly, and uh, we had some good seasons. It's just Chile turned out to be an idiot. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's. Uh, Let's what, look it, at Philly. What are the what are the betting lines, odds, some of the over unders for tonight? All right, so we're going to talk the main slate. Um, and big thing is um, my last check, and I will pull this up here really quick on DraftKings. Um, last check, the Vikings uh, were still a two and a half point underdog. I did hear that there was some line shifting um, mm-hmm. late. Um, it, there usually is. It is now up to plus three. Um, Minnesota apparently got down to plus one and a half and they're back to plus three. So this is, it's back to where it started. Okay. Over under is now 49. Um, I had seen it at 51 on a different sports book. And then the Vikings money line is plus 120, which <laughs> plus 120 is incredibly appealing because if you think the Vikings are going to win, it's, it's a close enough game where you're going to feel comfortable with it and you're not going to be sweating bullets and you get a, a 20% extra return on your investment. I like those odds. Um, plus three is also a fair line. It's, what this line tells you is it's a pick em on a neutral field. If they were to go play in Kansas City, just neutral site, it's a, it's an even matchup. There is no spread. You're betting money line. Um, the over-under at 49, a 28-21 game is right at that um, over-under. So... With how talented these offenses are, I was initially predicting like 31-28. I eventually settled on 28-24. I like this a lot. Um, I would take Vikings plus three. I would parlay it with the over 49, and you can spike your odds that way. So by doing that, on DraftKings, you would get those odds to plus 250. That's pretty good, and you'll only need one to hit. So, if you bet a hundred bucks, you'd win two fifty. If you bet a hundred on just the Vikings spread and then just the over forty nine, you're you're looking at making uh, significantly less money, like seventy eighty bucks. Now, if you add the Vikings parlay instead of the spread, you're going to spike those odds to plus three twenty. So you get a three hundred and twenty dollar win on a hundred dollar bet i like i like the vikings a lot in this game i also think it could be really close and it wouldn't shock me if the eagles end up winning because that running game is real it's very talented dave and oh there's merlin he agrees that uh, that that eagles running back uh running back carousel is very good 
I think this is going to be a really close game. 28-24 Vikings is my final prediction, as I wrote about today on the Vikings Wire. Guys, we're in for a fun one. The game starts in about uh, 45 minutes. The inactive lists are already out? Yep. There is one change, Dave, from last week. And they swapped out Andrew Booth Jr. Lewis Seen. That's it. Andrew Booth Jr., Asezi Otomewo, Ty Chandler, Vidarian Rowe, Lowe, Chris Reed, Luigi Villain. And for the Eagles, it's quarterback backup Ian Book, safety Reed Blankenship, running back Trey Sermon, tight end Grant Calcaterra. Calcaterra. Defensive end Janarius Robinson, our guy. And guard Josh Sills on their inactives. And they are 100% healthy on the Eagles. They had nobody on the as of yeah, yesterday nothing. on the uh, on their injury report. Yeah, nothing uh, really. Uh, and the only nothing. injured Viking is Booth. Yeah, and he's got a quad, and it sounds like it's more of a precautionary thing. He's sixth on the depth chart at corner anyway. He's not going to get a lot of run. Might as well. Um, give him an opportunity to really heal that injury up. But the big news of the day, Dave, Lewis Seen will be making his NFL debut, and they are going to be introducing some interesting packages. Um, you talk about the penny package, which is going to be uh, 515, five um, on the line, one linebacker, five in the defensive backfield. Talk about three safety looks with Cam Bynum shifting into the slot, or even Seen shifting into the slot. They're going to do a lot of fun things and use his speed explosiveness to really try and take advantage of the Eagles. My big concern with seeing he's about a half second slow on reading and reacting that will get fixed because in college he was quicker than a hiccup in the NFL. The game moves quite a bit faster. It's an adjustment period. Once he gets that adjustment, the sky is the limit for what scene can bring to the table. I'm really excited to see what he can do tonight. Uh, this Dave, this is going to be a very, very fun football game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are catching us instead of Bill's Titans, we thank you very much. Make sure <laughs> it is on ESPN Plus and ABC tonight. We get the say, A crew. Of- it's live broadcast here on ABC. Uh, yep. Which means no delay, which is absolutely wonderful. Hey, my heart goes out to people that were trying to watch Sunday Ticket yesterday. You would think DirecTV has their stuff squared away after all those years of having it. I'm half thinking they are not caring anymore because they know they're losing the contract after this year. Um, uh, Mark, I want to answer your question quick. 5-1-5. In that situation, it's five on the line of scrimmage. So, like, in a standard 3-4 look, you always have five on the line of scrimmage. You're going to have your two edge rushers. You're going to have your three defensive linemen. Then you're going to have your two linebackers and four in the back. What this look does is you have essentially five pass rushers, a linebacker, and five in the secondary. So it's slightly different. Um, it, this is going to take some use to for us Vikings fans. We've never really had a 3-4. We've always been a 4-3 team, which is there, – there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it is an adjustment period, especially when, you're, when you talk about looks, personnel packages. You're going to see a lot of 3-2-6, which is going to be – Three pass rushers, two linebackers, and a dime look of six defensive back. 
like they're, they're just different personnel groupings for how things are listed. And when I talk about the 515, I'm talking about five at five pass rushers. And then uh, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, they can play defensive end. So it'll take some adjusting for us to get used to how this vernacular works. But it's going to be fun with how Ed Donatel really schemes things up. I am mm-hmm. excited to kind of see what he does. Uh, yes, Aaron, Shelly did get called up. Um, he played three years for the Bears, uh, played in 30 games, has four passes defended and 54 tackles in his career. He's a depth guy. Um, I, I guess that's really all there is to say about it. He was a sixth-round pick in 2019. He, he got. He's basically going to play tonight for the Vikings on special teams. That's – I mean, it, it's – I don't feel it's that noteworthy, which is why I didn't bring it up. But I, I see I see where your point is. By the way, the weather is good tonight. Speaking of special teams, we shouldn't have any issues with weird winds. They're around 10, you know. So it's mm-hmm. nice, breezy, nice evening. Starts out around 80 degrees and drops into the mid-70s by the end of the game. Beautiful. Night. Absolutely. Now, Dave, let's talk about content for after the game. This is going to be fun. If you want written stuff, I will be having a ton of stuff posted on the Vikings Wire during and after the game. All right, so make sure you follow the Vikings Wire on Twitter and Facebook to make sure that you see all of that coming in real time. Um, If you do prefer to go through Yahoo or Bleacher Report, it is syndicated on those sites, so you'll still be able to see it. The fun part about this network, sponsored by Lake Monster Brewing, which you're going to want tonight. If you're celebrating a win or um, being disappointed over a loss, you're going to want your nice Lake Monster beer. All right. Join producer Dave with the great Flip Mozzie, Matt Anderson, and the legend himself, Jason Brown, making a return. Um, As they go live at the two-minute warning, we are the first Vikings postgame show to go live because we started the two-minute warning and talk you through the end of the game, and then jump right into deep diving what we just saw. Um, Next week, guys, we are going to be having another episode of The Real Forno Show. We're going to quickly break this game down, and we're going to talk Lions, and then we're going to preview what's moving forward. In the meantime, grab yourself a beer, get yourself some wings. Guys, it's Monday Night Football, baby. Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings, and uh, my prediction for tonight, those two guys behind me, Cook and Thielen, are going to have big nights. So, remember, join us at the two-minute warning in the game when we go live with the final score. It's been a great show, Tyler. Thank you very much. And as always, thank everybody for watching, and Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.